0: Reader's Entertainment Radio presents Book Lights with your host, author Lisa Kessler. Book Lights, where we're shining a light on good books. Hello, everyone. It's still October. It's spooky season, my time of year. And so we have had all spooky books on all month. And today is not going to disappoint. So today we have on Tracy Hewitt Meyer. And if you haven't read her books yet, you're in for a treat. This is a little bit of a change up from our previous weeks this month because this book is more geared toward YA. And so that will be fun to chat about. And if you've never read her books, I'm going to go ahead and read her bio so you can get to know her. Tracy Hewitt Meyer is the award-winning author of young adult fiction. Her works range from gritty contemporary to edge-of-your-seat thrillers. She tackles tough themes that teens face in a world with raw, direct, and honest prose. When not writing, Tracy works as a mental health therapist for adults with concerns such as depression, anxiety, and substance abuse. She was born and raised in West Virginia and now lives in Virginia with her family and two dogs, Lila and Leonard, and spends far too much time lost in her daydreams. You can find out more about her on her website. I did put a link to her website right there on Blog Talk. So if you're listening live or listening later, definitely go check it out. You can find out more about her books. And I think she had a newsletter there you can sign up for, too. So definitely get connected. And I don't want to waste any more time. Are you there, Tracy?
1: I'm here. Thank you for having me today.
0: Thanks for coming on. I'm so glad to see that you have dogs as well, because as the show was beginning, my little Boston Terrier had a snorting fit. So I don't know if anyone heard that, but that was not me. That was the puppy assistant. Um, (laughs) We are live. Well, I have a Frenchie. I have a friend here, oh. and I know that sound well. <laughs> yes, you know all about the snorting and backward sneezing and snoring mm-hmm. <laughs> absolutely,
1: but he's left downstairs, so hopefully his uh unique sounds do not travel through the <laughs> radio waves. <laughs>
0: Well, we'll, we will welcome it if that happens. Everyone who is a frequent listener occasionally gets guest visits from my dogs. But anyway, hopefully they will be well behaved today. Um, So you have a new book out called Generation Annihilation. And I love the cover and the blurb sounds fantastic. Do you want to tell everybody why they should go grab it this week? What's it about?
1: It's about 17 year old Sean Shredway. He's my, the first male protagonist I've written and he, the book starts and it says so on the black back so I'm not giving anything away where he has just killed his father in order to save his mother. So we're talking absolute from the beginning, thriller, horror elements, perfect for October and Halloween, but in (laughs) order to flee the police, he, he takes off from Baltimore where this crime occurred to rural West Virginia where his mother grew up and where his grandfather's abandoned cabin is. So he wants to go and just lay low and isolate till the air clears, so to speak. But what he stumbles upon is an abandoned lunatic asylum. And a lot of shady things happen
0: there. And you'll have to read the book if you're
1: interested in that. <laughs>
0: Ah, that sounds fantastic. I know um, for all the American Horror Story fans out there, we Asylum was one of the best seasons in my opinion. So haunted, abandoned, lunatic asylums are, are always scary. <laughs> Absolutely. And the story was set
1: on a real lunatic asylum that I've actually visited, the Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum in West and West Virginia. It's open for tours now. You can either do a historical tour or paranormal, and I'm not a spokeswoman for the asylum, but I'm just a, a huge fan. I've been on four different tours, and just being in there changed something in me and sparked my creativity. And I—that's the setting for the novel. And you can actually either look it up online or go visit it, and you'll hopefully see from my writing, see it unfold, be like, "Oh, that's what she's talking about."
0: I see. Right. That's
1: really scary.
0: <laughs> so, we yeah, supposed first, to be one of the most. You have- Did you have the idea and then go there, or did you go there and get the idea? I
1: went there and got the idea. It is considered, Mm -hmm. I think I was watching a TV show, one of the most haunted places in America, and the TV show was talking about the most haunted places, and the Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum popped up, and being from West Virginia, I was like, "Why why haven't I been there? And so, of course, I grabbed some friends and family and went on a tour, and it was in the middle of a tour where I was like, okay, this is the perfect setting. Let me create a story here.
0: I love that. I, as, as a writer myself, I love going to the places where I'm setting things, but rarely does it happen the other way around for me. So I think that's super cool. Um, (laughs) And as a, a day job, your background is in mental health. So How does, because lots of people tour, you know, do paranormal tours of old um, asylums, but as a professional who, you know, tries to help people, is it extra horrific for you when you go in those places? It
1: can be. I try to not cross that line. When I have my therapist cap on, I stay in my lane. And then when I have my author cap on, I can be more creative without the constraints of like the devastation that happened in these asylums. right. so I, I really just try to stay in the lane in order to do both. and And for young adult writing young adult, I don't treat children or young adults, so it helps me stay in that lane and not and not cross over because I think that would that would be too difficult. It' right. hard to write something creative and as horrific as this thriller can be at parts of points in the story.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, and I have to ask you about when you are writing mental health in fiction, I know, um, you know, it's, it is a, a thin line that you tread because you don't want to diminish people or make people, um, you know, you just, You don't want to hurt anyone, but you also, these are real things that people deal with and having representation is important. So how do you straddle that when you're writing these stories?
1: That's a good question. And and maybe a little challenging to put into eloquent words, but I just try to be honest and a lot of, if there's a trigger warning, like in the well, the Reformation of Marley Mead can have a trigger warning, but definitely the Rowan Sloan series, there's some self-harm in that, and there's a trigger warning with it. But I just try to be honest and raw. There's no point in skirting over life events and things that happen to us. It, it happens. But I hope what readers take from all of my books is hope and perseverance, and we are strong enough to overcome, just hang on and... Life will change. That's the one thing that we know will happen. Things will change and get better. So I, oh, I just I try that. to be honest about it. Yeah. Thank you.
0: Um, so in this particular book, when I was reading the blurb, and, of course, it kicks off after he has set a fire and killed, I think, is it his stepfather or his real father? I mean, it's horrific. It's his Yes. <laughs> Okay. But what a way when to start you, the novel. <laughs> right, right. When you kick it off with that kind of trauma, how does that affect your your hero when you're writing this book?
1: I'm a big believer there is always a reason people do what they do. And people are very complex and we can make judgments and assumptions based on the things that we see, but once you start peeling back the layers to a person's motivation and their history then you can have more empathy. And I feel the same is true for Sean. Yes, he committed this horrendous murder. but as you peel back the layers, you understand why. And you sympathize with him and empathize with him. And so hopefully you don't condone his behavior. Readers don't condone the behavior, but they can root for him because we always need a hero we can root for. But people are complex. And with, with the story starting out with such a gruesome scene, it was actually kind of fun to then have his character evolve and reveal those layers that right. end up making the reader hopefully want to root for him. Mm-hmm.
0: Was there, um, did you have any redemption themes going on in this one?
1: Well, I don't, <laughs>
0: that's
1: a good question. I don't know that I'm prepared for that one. Um, redemption <laughs> themes.
0: Yeah, like, you know, he, I just try to keep he it really... redeemed in different. your eyes by the end?
1: He is still at fault and redeemed. I think that it's, it's, okay. it's a complex character. He's committed a horrendous crime, and he's also done some heroic things. Right. Like most of us. Like, we are not black and white, and I really tried to write him as complex to
0: reflect you know,
1: human human life, each of us.
0: Right. I am so always saying know. life is messy. <laughs> oh, isn't it
1: that? It's not supposed to be easy. No.
0: <laughs> uh, well, and I wanted to ask you when I was looking at your other books, it looks like they're all YA. Have you ever written in any other genre or do you have ideas too?
1: I've written, written a couple of adult romances, one a paranormal, one just, Kind of a, a fun adult romance and but those were years ago kind of teaching myself how to write a novel right. i kind of like ya that i feel speaks to adults and teens i think it can be pigeonholed into oh well that's ya that's for a younger crowd i won't like it but i think millions of adults like ya and i think that i try to write novels if they're given a chance by any age that can speak to the reader. So I don't know if I'll technically venture into another genre or just keep writing YA that I hope all ages read. Because right. I think there are themes in these
0: books that can speak to anybody. For sure. And is there something like YA is usually when people, the characters are discovering things for their first time, their first time, you know, facing a problem, maybe alone without their parents bailing them out and first time falling in love and first kiss first everything. Is that kind of what draws you As an adult, that's kind of why I think adults enjoy YA is all of those firsts. You get to relive them. Is that what drives you to write it? I think that's part of it. I I still remember
1: my teen and young adult years very vividly for how just raw and emotional they were. And every experience, Mm -hmm. like you said, was just the first one. And every experience is so dire, like you don't see half yes. that experience. This is do or die. This is the world is on my shoulders to decide who am I going to this dance with, right? But it's just yes. such a big deal, and I love that. And that can that just endless content. And then mm-hmm. I think some of the themes you step back and more broad are choices we make. What are our motivations? Childhood issues that come into young adult years. Oh mm-hmm. God, We we suffer our childhood issues all through, like until we're elderly. <laughs> a lot of times, some of us don't ever get over. Don't them. ever get. Past but I think there's that, both. Yes. <laughs> or I wouldn't have a job, right? Like a right, job agent, right. a therapist. If they did.
0: <laughs> yeah. No. I and and I do love that. I mean, any of us who think back to high school, it's always that you know every event that happens gets so magnified in your head, you know, your life is over once a week, um, you know, <laughs> all that mm-hmm. drama.
1: It's so true. And if you could just go back and tell your younger self, it will be okay. This will not last for, you know, if, if you're upset right. or distracted, exactly. you know, life will change. Like I said, that's the only thing that's constant is the change and and I think that's why there's so many mental health concerns right now, is it can be hard to see outside of that
0: mm-hmm. that
1: moment, especially for the, the younger, the young adults and the children in the world. And that's what I hope the books do give, is a sense of hope. Look at these characters go through this. That's why fiction is so great, right? Mm-hmm. Watch this character be put through such pain, physical, emotional, mental, and look how they persevered. It can be hopefully motivation and like, okay, I'm strong enough.
0: Right, yeah. And I think that that's something that fiction, um, reading fiction or listening to an audiobook is is unique because you can watch it on TV and you are being entertained. You're not living in that person's skin, whereas when you're reading, your brain, you know, fills in what everyone looks like and what's happening and all that. And I feel like it gives you an, an avenue to step into the skin of someone else who's having a different experience than you and really learn empathy, you know, learn to understand why people do what they do.
1: Absolutely. I think empathy is a, is a great word. And why they do what they do can create empathy, People are complex Mm -hmm. and even we can be judging the person who cut us off on the road and, you know, calling them names, flipping them off, doing all this stuff, right? But we just don't know what's going on in that person's life. If we just take a step back and just take a breath, you know? I mean, And I think Mm -hmm. reading books that are raw and gritty can help bring that sort of empathy into our daily lives and these minor experiences like someone cutting you off on the road.
0: Right. I yeah. don't know if that um, was
1: too much of a stretch. But
0: it made sense no. to me. <laughs> yeah. Nah. I think that's that's right on. Um, I wanted to ask you. Our listeners are always excited about um, how you got your first book published, what your writing journey looked like, and you. It sounds like you have, you know, your professional career, but what made you decide? Okay, I'm going to write a book and get it published.
1: Well, it was a, a long and windy story, as these things usually are. When I was in, an undergraduate student at West Virginia University, I was an English major and with a focus on creative writing. And that was more short story focused, but I really started learning. I love this. I've always been a reader, but for the first time I right. started being the creator. And I loved it, but I just, I don't know, I, my brain wasn't ready to go there, so I went on to graduate school to get a master's in social work and worked several years in in social work and then became a therapist. And it wasn't until I had my third child. So I was in my thirties and I was home, you know, raising the baby. I had two other little kids in, in school and. I thought, why am I just going to teach myself to write a novel? So I actually went to the library. I think I had a babysitter, or my husband watched, was watching the children, and I went to the library and got a book. I think it was How to Write a Romance for Dummies, one of those <laughs> like yellow uh-huh, and black yeah. books. Right. And for anyone, yeah, anyone who wants to start writing, I think romance is formulaic, and, and to be a true romance, you have to follow the formula, and it can really and it taught me, and I think it can teach others how to write a story arc beginning, middle, and end, and fill it in. And so I taught myself to write romance. And then I really, I don't remember what triggered me to try YA specifically, other than those years just really were very vivid to me, even in memory, even in my 30s with children of my own. And so I I just wrote A Life Redefined and... I self-published that, which is, can be quite challenging for young adults. It was a contemporary self-published and the publish, or the, the folks who did my cover art, you know, things were grinding and working and, you know, turning and doing all this stuff and this energy was happening and they became a publisher. And so now oh, they cool. took on my books, the Rowan Sloan series, yeah. And now they've published all of my books, and we have a fantastic relationship. They, are, they hit the ground running years ago, and I couldn't BHC Press. I couldn't sing higher praises. So I just kept writing, and A Life Redefined won an award. It won the Inda Roney Award for Best Young Adult Fiction, and that really helped me feel validated as a young adult writer. Mm-hmm. So I just I just kept on, and I think you just can't quit. It's a it's a lonely It can be a lonely, you know, thing to do is write. And it can be very defeating because there's a lot of negativity and criticism and lack of awareness. You know, you do all this work and your book doesn't sell or you don't get the contract, you don't get the agent. So that's where that perseverance comes from that I try to write into my young adult characters.
0: Right, right. Well, and as a writer myself, we – we have no control over getting people to buy the book. And then reading is subjective because of everyone else's life experiences. And sometimes it rings true and sometimes it doesn't for depending on someone's life experience. So we have no control over having people buy the book or whether they like it. All we can do is make the best story that we can and then hope for the best. And so it is like catching lightning. Um, So it's an adventure if you decide to be a writer. <laughs> it is.
1: It's not for the faint of heart because I think when you put out your creative craft, it makes you very vulnerable. And yeah. how many times have you heard the story of a writer not being supported or validated at home? Right. Right? They're, maybe their mm-hmm. spouse isn't giving them the encouragement or, you know, coming down on them for the amount of time they spend writing or... People, the offhanded comments, why'd you write that? Or you know, like, what's right. going on in your head to make you write such dark stuff? You know, people say things, people do things. You just have to do it for you and not that external validation. Right. And that'll right. help with the perseverance. Right.
0: Yeah. Well, on on the topic of spooky things where people go, why'd you write that? Um <laughs> Uh, When I saw that you were from West Virginia, of course, what popped in my head is one of my all time favorite podcasts. So I'm going to ask and if you haven't listened, you'll have to go listen because I think you'll like it. But it's called the Old Gods of Appalachia podcast. No, but I'm.
1: Oh. I'm to write
0: that down right now. Yes. Oh, the Old and for Gods it, of Appalachia. The Old Gods of Appalachia. And it's very well produced. It, usually it has, you know, they have original songs and things. But they tell, I want to say, call it like campfire stories. But it's all around creepy, you know, Appalachian um, myths and legends and ghost stories and oh my gosh it's so fantastic and since it's October it's a great time to hop in and listen Um, they just always tell you a great story and um, and it really opened my eyes to the folklore that is right there in you know the mountains in West Virginia and (laughs) have you ever pulled in any of those stories into your work yet? I think having, I I don't know the podcast,
1: but I am definitely going to go check it out first and foremost. And I think having been born and raised in West Virginia, in a rural Mm -hmm. part of West Virginia, having spent my childhood outside, really absorbing the landscape, the, I mean, I have such clear, clear memories from way back into young childhood of just being outside, sitting in the grass, or when it was snowing, playing with the icicles coming off of the, the bushes that were deep in the woods. So I live, you know, in the, that's what we call the forest, the woods, right? Back behind my house, I go tracing through there all the time. And I don't remember specific stories that shaped me, but it's just a landscape that if you mm-hmm. open your mind to it, can just invite in, oh, the possibilities of a story. <laughs> right. Yeah. Especially yeah. a creepy
0: story. Mm -hmm. yes yeah for sure it's I think you'll I think you'll enjoy the podcast but the stories that come out of the old mountains are really fantastic and especially at this time of year it's very very fun to you know imagine that you're in the campfire and telling stories of the old gods that come out of the mountains (laughs) oh absolutely I'm excited to go and check that out yeah. So I wanted to ask, who inspires you? We always like to add to our to-be-read list. So <laughs> who do you read that you go, oh, my gosh, I need to go get to the keyboard? Well, my favorite book of all time that
1: I've read at least 10 times is The Mists of Avalon by Marion Zimmer Bradley. Oh, I love that book, and, too. <laughs> oh, I know. It, it It changed something in me. It was one of those that was like, oh, and I couldn't wait to get back to it. So I've read it several times and I always, that's my go-to to recommend and that's had the most impact on me. And female I'm empowerment sure in
0: there. I yeah. thought it was because yeah. it was like the traditional King Arthur, which is all dudes, the Knights of the Round Table, mm-hmm. all this stuff. But that was the first time I had ever read a book that was from the female perspective of this traditionally very masculine time. And you got to see you know that it's women propping up these these men i don't know i just it was it was very um life-changing for me too when i read that the first time i'm like wow <laughs> so i don't know if that was what it was but that female empowerment was really strong when i read that one especially with morgan le fay guinevere was a bit of yes. a
1: she was a, I don't want to say wet blanket. That doesn't do her justice, but she, she was not as likable. Morgan Le Fay was the one that really spoke to me, mm-hmm. and she was just raw and gritty, and the, the magical aspect, and La- and Avalon and the priestesses, I just found
0: just awe-inspiring, brilliant work. Yes. If you love The myths of Avalon, definitely check out, it's a book called um, The Pagan Nun, and it's not very long but it is so fantastic because it's that same time period when christianity came over to the uk and these pagan priestesses were you know being pulled into the catholic church and how they were weaving in their their pagan beliefs and keeping them alive anyway it was it was really great story but it's called a pagan nun and um, highly recommend if you enjoy that time period. Oh, absolutely. I, I wrote that
1: down along with the podcast. And for Marion Zimmer Bradley, I've actually went and read all of her books. They were all very well written. But *Missed of Avalon, there was something special about that one.
0: Right. Yeah, that one was for sure. Um, do you have any favorite spooky movies that you like to watch this time of year?
1: No, because it's kind of actually funny that I write thrillers with a little bit of a horror element because the first time I saw Candyman, I was a senior in high school. It's back the original (laughs) Candyman, the horror film. I actually cried. I was so scared. I cried in the theater. I know. And I was like 18 years old. It was too scary. I don't like the dark. Even still, as an adult woman, I do not like So I I can get easily spooked, probably because, because I can be so creative. Right. That I think of all these dark possibilities. So I, I keep my darkness on the page between, <laughs> you know, from my head to the words I create. And I gravitate more toward kind of the Christmas movies like Love Actually. If oh, I had okay. to be honest.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, there are lighter, fun Halloween movies like Hocus Pocus and things like that. It doesn't That's have true. to be like scary to be spooky.
1: (laughs) That's a good point. Thank you. I should go check some of those
0: out. (laughs) There you go. Yeah. I do an annual Halloween movie countdown and I always try to balance Mm -hmm. fun spooky with scary spooky because there are lots of fun spooky movies out there that really aren't, they're not scary. Um, You know, they're just fun with spooky elements and things. So um, there's also lots of fun kid Halloween movies like Paranorman is I just love that one um, it's a little boy who is the only one who can see ghosts and the ghosts find out so now he's surrounded by all these ghosts and anyway it's just very cute um, <laughs> so so I'll check the, out your <laughs> list yeah <laughs> you can be spooky <laughs> and not be too scary
1: what That's for so- me Children's movies during this time. <laughs> right, right.
0: You just watch the kids' spooky ones, Nightmare Before Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> I remember exactly. the first the first time I went and saw Nightmare Before Christmas when it came out in the movie theater but my kids were too little and I wasn't sure if it would be too scary and then when the movie started and it had this is Halloween and it had that line about that's our job but we're not mean I thought ah oh, there it is that is really the definition of fun spooky is that they're they're doing their job cuz they're a skeleton but they're not mean. (laughs) It's just their job to be spooky. That's true. That is,
1: yeah. That is a good movie. I haven't seen that in a long time. I should revisit that.
0: (laughs) Yeah, there you go. It'll get you in the spooky mood without scaring you. (laughs) (laughs) So before we run out of time, how can readers, when they connect with your books and they're really excited and they want to know what's happening next, how can they get in touch with you? Are you on social media? Do you have a newsletter? How do they hook up with you?
1: Well, my website's probably a good launch pad. It's com, and that has links to my social and my blog, but I'm on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and sporadically on TikTok, which I make the most, the the worst videos ever, and they're just, I'm just so, like, not a live video, you know, I'm not, I don't come across well, I don't speak well live, I don't video well (laughs) live, because i you know, I'm in my head, I'm a writer, so, but I post them anyway, because I own my discomfort and my, you know, my awkwardness, I just own it, and I post them, and I get about 200 views, so... (laughs) Well, there you go.
0: That counts. That counts. And, you know, we're not all made for that kind of thing. And so anyone who goes to your TikTok will go, hey, she's like me. So it's okay.
1: (laughs) Well, that's why we love Taylor Swift, right? That's right. Relatable.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Well, thanks so much for being here today. And everyone, go grab Generation Annihilation with the spooky Asylum, and it'll be a great read. I just know it. So thanks so much for being here, Tracy. It was great chatting with you.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm grateful for your time and this opportunity.
0: Thanks for joining us on Book Be sure to connect with us at www.readersentertainment.com. For articles, blogs, videos, and podcasts that matter to readers.